Well, thank you so much, Messina, and thank you so much, church family. Uh, that was totally a surprise, and uh, we're blessed. And I, did, I know uh, Martha and me feel, and I'm sure Mark and Megan do too, we are so uh, honored and blessed just to be a part of the church family at New Hope Kailua, uh, have something to do with what God is doing in our church family. So thank you so much. You know, um, you probably were aware, but today um, uh, is um, Halloween, <laughs> the last Sunday in a lot of little kids will be out uh, trying to get some candy this evening and having some fun with costumes. So when I called uh, John yesterday, uh, John Mason, one of our setup team, just to coordinate that he was able to come and help set up church this morning, I, I uh, teased him and I said, John, if you come to church on Sunday and, and serve, you can wear a costume, but you have to wear your good-looking man costume. <laughs> and he uh, texted me back and he said, that's the only costume I have. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> So anyway, um, you know, um, it's encouraging to read in the gospel accounts, and we've been doing this over the weeks, that when people meet Jesus, and all kinds of people meet Jesus, there's a whole diversity kind, uh, all sorts of different kinds of people meet Jesus. Uh, wealthy people meet Jesus. Very poor people meet Jesus. Powerful people meet Jesus. Those that are social outcasts meet Jesus. Um, all sorts of different races meet Jesus. Uh, Jewish people, of course, Samaritans, but Romans, Gentiles, all of these different men meet Jesus. Women meet Jesus, and catch this, even children meet Jesus. Healthy people meet Jesus. Sick people meet Jesus. There's all these different kinds of people that meet Jesus. But what happens when every person meets Jesus? What happens? Something wonderful happens. Something beautiful happens, something supernatural happens, and it's a wonderful thing to uh, read the scriptures and see because it's not just that these wonderful, beautiful things happen in the first century. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you encounter him, when I encounter him, the same kinds of wonderful things happen. And uh, that's been a wonderful encouragement to us over the weeks. This morning, we want to look at the encounter of a man with Jesus who was a very powerful man. He was a successful scholar. He was a learned leader. His name is Nicodemus. We actually know his name because it's recorded in, uh, Mark, in uh, John's Gospel that this um, member of the Sanhedrin came to encounter Jesus. And uh, there are a number of things that we can note about Nicodemus. He was, first of all, successful. He was like a senator. He was a member of the 70-member uh, Jewish ruling council, the, the, the leading social, religious, financial, political power that oversaw the nation. Yes, they were under Roman control, but um, just like the United States has 100 senators, the Sanhedrin represented 70 of the leaders of that nation over the entire nation. So he was successful. He was also well-respected. He was considered the teacher of Israel, certainly one of the leading teachers, if not the top theologian of the country. He was very well-respected. He was very well-educated. He had a Ph.D. from Dallas Seminary. Okay, I'm just kidding. Martha and I are graduates of Dallas. He had, a, he had a Ph.D. from the Seminary of Jerusalem. Who knows what? But he was highly educated. He was a leading theologian of, in the nation of Israel. But he was devout. 
He was a devout student of the scriptures. He was a Pharisee. Now, I know often when we read the Gospels, we get a negative view about the Pharisees, but Nicodemus represented the good side of the Pharisees, if you will. People who were totally devoted to God's word, totally devoted to God, was devout, was a sincere student and teacher of the scriptures. And with that, he was humble. Even though he was successful and he was a leader and he was like a senator, he was humble because we'll see, and we're going to read in the text in a moment, that when he came to Jesus, and who was Jesus? Just this itinerant rabbi from um, Galilee, um, from, from a town that was uh, known uh, and, and reputed for being of no value, and Jesus didn't have any formal theological education, but this leading teacher of the nation, this senator comes to Jesus and he calls him rabbi. He calls him teacher. He says, I know you've come from God. He's humble. And he's with that humility, he has an open heart to God. Now, not all of the Pharisees and not all of the religious leaders did. But we're going to see what he says to Jesus is, we know that you've come from God because of the signs that you're doing, because we've seen the miracles. You've got to be from God. And he had a humble spirit that received what God was doing through Jesus' ministry. Other Pharisees, other religious leaders, we read, they, they couldn't argue with the miraculous power Jesus demonstrated. It was right there in front of them. They couldn't argue with the results. But what they did was they blasphemed the source. They said the source of that miracle, the source of that power, it's coming from Satan, Beelzebub. It's not coming from God. And Jesus had to warn them and say, you're about to commit an unpardonable sin. And, and yet Nicodemus wasn't in that camp. He was a Pharisee devoted to the law, devoted to God. And he had a humility that saw the work of God through Jesus in his ministry. So in all of these ways, he was a learned uh, uh, leader of the nation. He was a successful scholar. So what happens when Nicodemus comes and encounters Jesus? Something wonderful, something beautiful. Let's read about it in the text. And it'll come up on the screen. Now, there was a Pharisee. This is John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now, there was a Pharisee. Again, a devout learned group, a man named Nicodemus, we actually get his name, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, 70 leaders over the nation. He came to Jesus at night. Now think about that. Why at night? Some speculate, the text doesn't say, it's because he was risking his reputation as a leader to be seen with Jesus. There was a lot of controversy. That might have been part of it. I tend to think he was looking for a private meeting. If he would have arranged a meeting during the day, there would have been attention, there would have been um, whatever. Uh, all, but he was looking for a private meeting with Jesus. He was an honest seeker. In any case, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, don't take that lightly. This learned, top theologian, teacher of the nation comes to Jesus, this wandering prophet from Galilee. And he says, Rabbi, teacher. And he honors him. And he says, we know that you were a teacher who has come from God. Why? For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. I see, God, Jesus, that God is with you. Jesus replied, says something very profound to Nicodemus. Very truly, I tell you, truly, truly. It's a way of emphasizing, I can't say enough that this is the truth I want to tell you, Nicodemus. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What's he talking about the kingdom of God? He's talking about God's reign 
breaking into human history in a new and a powerful way through Jesus. Nicodemus, he was a scholar. He knew all about the kingdom of God. He knew Israel was the kingdom of God. It was the nation that God had chosen and set his heart of, of love and covenant and, and set up a kingdom there, uh, a, a king. Um, and yes, it had been restored after the exile, but Israel was the kingdom of God. But Jesus is saying now the kingdom of God, the reign of God is breaking into human history in a new and a powerful way. And it's through Jesus and his ministry. He says, Nobody can see that unless they are born again. <laughs> unless they have a second life, if you will. Unless they enter into a new life. Jesus answered, um, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water. That's the first birth. That's the physical birth. Because when you're born of water, you're born out of that amniotic sac and there's a breaking of water. But that's physical life. But he's going to go on to talk about a different kind of life. A second life. Born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That's physical birth. That's your first, and that's a miracle in itself. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. He's talking about a second life in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, you should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind, the breath of God, the Spirit of God blows wherever it pleases. He's sovereign and he's free and he's invisible. You can't see him, but you can see the effects of where he's been, where he's working. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is a spiritual birth. This is a, a new life in the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. He's still thinking on a physical level. Jesus is speaking on a spiritual level through the spirit. How can it be, says Nicodemus? You are Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things? Um, very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify. I missed the... Uh, earlier reading, I skipped over it. Nicodemus says, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He's still thinking on a physical level. Jesus is talking about a new life in the spirit. So he says, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. You've got a seminary, you've got a PhD and seminary training, but you don't get this fundamental truth that I'm bringing to you. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people, you rejecting Jewish people, you rejecting Sanhedrin, you rejecting religious people, you do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of what? Earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? This is a heavenly thing. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, that's Jesus himself. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world, I'm sure you've heard this verse, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. 
But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. That's the biblical record. Nicodemus, this learned leader, comes to Jesus. I want us to take a moment and uh, view the filmmaker's version and um, see how he presents this interaction, this encounter of Nicodemus with Jesus. Take a look. asked the owner of this house for more lanterns, but he said they would draw attention. Yes, I imagine they would. The human eye is drawn to light. Can't help it, it just happens. There are many things we are drawn to without our thinking or our ability to explain why. Thank you for agreeing to meet. Thank you for trying to help Mary when you did. No help. You were meant to be there. Me? So I could fail miserably at an exorcism in the Red Quarter? <laughs> if you had not been there that day, would you be on this roof tonight? I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. I... Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? <sighs> I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, 
unless one is born of water and the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things, huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize his effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes, and I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes, but even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes, they wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents. And they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about Sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? When I met Lilith, Mary, that day, I told my wife and my students she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her. 
heal you. And here you are. The healer. I, my whole life, I have wondered if I would see this day. Follow me. See more. Follow you. Join me and my students. In two days' time, we leave Capernaum. Come see the kingdom I am bringing into this world. But I, I, I can't. You have a position in the Sanhedrin. You have family. You are getting advanced in years. <laughs> I understand. But the invitation is still open. The invitation to what exactly? <laughs> to lead a nomadic life, to, to give up who I am. It's true. There is a lot you would give up. But what you would gain is far greater and more lasting. Is this another one of your born-again mysteries? Maybe. I know mysteries aren't easy for a scholar. Think about it. Hmm? Take your time. On the morning of the fifth day, we leave and we'll meet by the well in the southern quarter at dawn. Kingdom of God really coming? What does your heart tell you? My heart is swollen with fear and wonder. It can tell me nothing except that I am standing on holy ground. filmmaker captures something of the reality of Nicodemus meeting Jesus and uh, what happens when this learned leader, this successful scholar comes in humility with an open heart and encounters Jesus. Something wonderful happens. Something beautiful happens. The same thing that Jesus wants you and me to experience. What happens is Jesus basically prepares 
Nicodemus recognizes Nicodemus is in a process, but is preparing Nicodemus for a whole new life, a life he calls being born again. He's preparing Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is well on the way of of, uh, recognizing the wonder of this new life birthed in the Holy Spirit. It's a second life. Jesus says, we notice, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God, no one can be a part of God's active reign on earth that goes on to eternity unless they are born of water, the first physical birth, and the spirit, the new spiritual birth, the new life in the spirit. And he is preparing Nicodemus, who is well on the way of experiencing that new birth. Will it happen? It won't happen until Jesus' death and resurrection, till the day of Pentecost, the fullness of the Spirit is poured forth, but Jesus came in the fullness of the Spirit and was preparing people for that born again, that new birth experience. What I want to do is just notice four time, four things, uh, wonderful truths about the new birth in the Spirit, the new life in the Spirit that Jesus came for Nicodemus to experience, that he came for you and me to experience. Here's the first one, and you can follow along in your notes. It's a new life birthed in the Spirit, in the inner being, by the Holy Spirit. This is a new spiritual life, a new spiritual life, but experienced in the Spirit, not in your body. Now, I thought about that this last week. It was just maybe coincidental. It was exactly two years ago that um, I went through back surgery. And um, the Lord healed me and restored my ability to walk, and I praise God for that. But in the process, he also uh, left me with a limp. I lost a significant amount of strength in my legs. I'm very grateful to walk, um, but he uh, did not fully heal me. (laughs) He wants me to know his grace is sufficient in my healing. Well, what struck me is, um, and the point is, uh, there is a physical rebirth, but this is... A spirit rebirth. But the physical rebirth we call the resurrection. And that dawned on me this last week in contrast to what Jesus is teaching Nicodemus because those of us that are getting older that are having physical handicaps and illnesses, and we're very much looking forward to the physical rebirth, the resurrection body. I have this darling little grandson named Micah. He's three years old. He's got a sparkle in his eye. And he loves to come over when he comes over and he looks at me and he sparkles and he says, get me, Grandpa, catch me, Grandpa, catch me, Grandpa. And he wants to run and guess what? Because of the weakness in my legs, I cannot catch him. He's too fast. He's too quick. But I'm still smarter than him. So what I do is I say, Micah, give me five. I can't, I don't tell him this, I can't chase you, I can't catch you, but give me five. And he'll come and he'll give me five. And when he gives me five, I grab his hand, I grab his wrist, and then I got him. And I pull him, and then I beat him up. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, I I still find a way to outsmart him. It'll last for a little while. But all to say that... um, with the physical limitations, with the deterioration of the outer body, there will be a physical rebirth. It's called the resurrection body that we receive at the time of Christ. Jesus, in contrast, is not talking about that physical rebirth. He's talking about an inner spiritual rebirth, a new life in the spirit. That um, To enter into God's kingdom, that is uh, required. That's part of it. That's essential. And so he says this. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to the inner spirit. This is an inner spiritual thing. And uh, I just want to notice, play just a a quick highlight reel. What does that mean? Um, The rest of the scriptures amplify 
the life and the spirit that Jesus came to give when he rises from the dead, he pours out his spirit on every believer and he gives us a, a new birth, a new life in the spirit. We are born again in the spirit, in our inner beings. So what does that mean? Well, here's some things it means. These are all wonderful things we experience in our new life in the spirit. These are all ministries of the Holy Spirit in life. He secures us in our relationship with God. He secures us in our relationship with God. When you believed, you were marked in him, marked in Christ with a seal, made secure. What is that seal? The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit. And what does he do? He guarantees our inheritance. He secures our relationship with God forever. Secondly, he gives us assurance that we're God's children. You have that deep conviction that you belong to God, that you're his son, you're his daughter. Where was that born out of? The Holy Spirit gives you that security, that identity. It says this, the spirit you received brought about your what? Your adoption. You're adopted into God's family as a son, as a daughter. And by him, by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Daddy, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. All of these wonderful things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He secures our relationship. He gives us assurance that we're his children. He teaches us. Jesus said, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He is our ultimate teacher. And yes, he might use human beings along the process, but the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us and leads us into truth. He guides us for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God that you can experience his leading in your life. You can seek him and, and discover his wisdom, his leading for the circumstances in your life. He leads us. He prays for us. Do you know you've got a heavenly prayer partner? What could be better than the Holy Spirit praying for you and praying for me? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not even know what to pray for. But the Spirit himself, he intercedes for us. He prays for us. The Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. He knows what to pray for. He helps us. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. He'll help you in every circumstance in life. He'll give you all that you need and be with you forever. Who is that? It's the spirit of truth. You know him, Jesus says to his disciples, for he lives with you in Jesus' spirit-filled ministry, and he will be in you. All of these wonderful things that the gift of the Holy Spirit, the new life in the Spirit, brings into our lives. He helps us. He sets us free from the power of sin. The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You are no longer need to be controlled by those sinful impulses in your life. You now, through the Holy Spirit, have the power to overcome those and to make good decisions that honor God and bring his blessing into your life and the life of others. He uh, sets us free from the power of sin. He enables our spiritual growth. Have you ever thought of all of what the Holy Spirit does in this new life, this born-again life that Jesus gives us? We all, all of us believers, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, catch this, are being transformed into Jesus' image. That's spiritual growth transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Where does that come from? Which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit working in you that produces a spiritual growth. Third, or another thing he does is that he gives us courage to tell people about Jesus. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will tell other people about me. 
in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, Kailua, Waimanalo, Kaneohe, the islands, everywhere. He will give you the courage to tell other people about Jesus. He pours out God's love in our hearts and strengthens us to love others. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And he, Paul prays, I pray that out of his glorious riches, what? He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is an inner spiritual life, not your body. Praise God, the resurrection body's coming, but this is your inner spiritual life right now. And what does he pray? That you be strengthened in your inner being so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And when Christ's heart, you're rooted and grounded in love, and he goes on to pray that you be know the full dimensions of Christ's love, the heights, the width, the depth, filled up with the very fullness of God in his love, which flows through your life to others. He strengthens you to love. And um, that's another work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. A uh, couple more in this highlight reel, all of these wonderful things that the Holy Spirit does. He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us spiritual gifts. The whole point is to serve others with those spiritual gifts and see his purposes, the church grow, people be blessed. Spiritual gifts are given in your life for the blessing of others. Are you blessed to serve? Yes, we all are. But they're ultimately designed for the building up in love of the body of Christ. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters at New Hope Kailua, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but catch this, the same Spirit distributes them. These are Holy Spirit gifts. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And the body of Christ is built by all of these different spiritual gifts operating together to lift up Jesus so that men and women can be drawn to him. And we're given a part of that. That's a Holy Spirit thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's a life in the Spirit. He assures us of our identity as heirs. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of what? Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. What belongs to God? The whole future, the new creation, the new heavens, the new earth. Everything belongs to God, and you're an heir with that. How'd you like to be an heir of Bill Gates? Means nothing compared with being an heir of Christ. He's got everything. The whole future belongs to him. Uh, any wealthy person on this earth leaves behind their wealth. Our wealth, if you will, uh, the spiritual blessing that belongs to Christ, we're heirs with Christ, and that's what the Holy Spirit assures us of. Finally, uh, he nurtures the beauty of Jesus in us. He nurtures the beauty. Of, that's what he does, the fruit of the Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit produce in your life and my life? Things like love, joy, peace, patience forbearance with difficulty, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. These are the beauties of Jesus himself that he nurtures in our lives. This is all a heavenly work, a spiritual work, an inner person work, and it is the new life that Jesus came to those who would be born again. And so it's a new life in our inner spirits. It's a wonderful thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's a beautiful thing that Jesus wanted to introduce Nicodemus, this successful scholar, this leading theologian of the nation. But it's the second thing. It's an inner life, but it's also a new life birthed on earth. It's birthed on earth, although it's sourced in heaven. It's birthed on earth by God in heaven. And so Jesus says, I have spoken to you of earthly things you do not believe. 
But he says, how will you believe of heavenly things? I'm talking to you about heavenly things here. He says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. It's interesting that the term born again, the Greek word, can actually be translated born from above. Born from above. Jesus came from heaven. The Holy Spirit comes from heaven. This new life comes from heaven. It's experienced in our lives on earth, in time and history. And it's miraculous and it's supernatural. But it's birthed in heaven. It's birthed by God. It's birthed by the Holy Spirit. How do you get this new life in the Spirit? How do you get this gift from heaven? Well, Jesus is very clear in this passage. It's a new life birthed by faith in the crucified Son of God. It's a new life birthed by faith in Jesus himself. And so Jesus uses that image that certainly Nicodemus knew that if you've read the book of Numbers, you read the story about how Israel rebelled against God in the wilderness and God sent judgment on them in the form of snakes. And Moses lifted up a bronze serpent on a pole. And as soon as people looked in faith on that serpent, they were healed. They were protected from the judgment of those snakes. And Jesus is drawing that analogy saying the Son of Man is going to have to be lifted up. And those who turn to faith in him... They will receive the gift of eternal life. They'll receive this new life in the spirit. So Jesus says this, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. And of course, he's talking about his crucifixion, lifting up in, in torture, in death, in bearing the sins of the world, including your sins and my sins. But he says that everyone who believes, that's how you receive the gift of eternal life. That's how you receive this new life in the spirit that issues into eternal life. It goes beyond this life that may have eternal life in him. It's by your faith in Christ. And what motivated, this leads to the fourth wonderful thing about the new life in the spirit. It's a new life birthed on earth. It's a new life received by faith in Jesus, the crucified son of God. And, and uh, it's a new life birthed out of God's love. That's what motivates Jesus' gift of this new life to Nicodemus, this gift of his new life, spiritual life to you and me. For God so loved the world, and you can put your name in there. For God so loved Rick because he, he loves you personally. He loves you individually. He knows your name. He knows your situation. And he wants to encounter you with this gift of eternal life and this gift of life in the spirit. He says that God so loves you that he gave his one and only son that again, if you would turn to him in faith, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die in sin and unforgiveness and, and rebellion and rejection of God, but have this unfathomable gift of eternal life. Jesus came to Nicodemus and he comes to you and me and he says, I'm doing a new work. I'm building a new kingdom. And it's a spiritual kingdom. It's not about Rome. It's not about political power. It's not about political parties. It's about you putting your faith in Jesus and receiving the gift of forgiveness of sins, the gift of eternal life. And with that, you will be born again. You will enter into this new age of the spirit in your inner beings here and now that I'm bringing the spirit of God into your life in all of these wonderful ways. It's a miracle. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It's a beautiful thing. It's something that he invites you and I to receive. We only hear one more uh, example of what happens in Nicodemus' life after this. Nicodemus is there with Joseph of Arimathea, 
and asks for the body of Jesus after Jesus is crucified. And even then, he's taking a stand. He's identifying with Jesus. And, and yes, uh, I'm sure facing rejection for many others in the political arena, in the leadership arena, because the rest of the Sanhedrin had just condemned Jesus to die. And the Romans had crucified him. But he was going to rise from the dead. And we don't know what happens with Nicodemus. And I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I'd say he was there on the day of Pentecost. And he was a believer in Jesus who received the gift of the Holy Spirit and experienced in a fuller measure what Jesus wants to give to every believer. Because at that point of faith in Christ, he pours out his spirit into our hearts, into our lives. And we experience now this inner transformation, this inner life, this new life in the spirit, led by the spirit, birthed by the spirit, filled by the spirit, blessed by the spirit. This was the new birth that Jesus wanted to bring to Nicodemus that he brings to you and me today. So we're going to conclude in prayer. And I want to just do two things if you would just stand with me. I want to invite you, if you've never made that personal decision based on what Jesus said, just to put your personal faith in Jesus, um, to recognize that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose from the dead, that he is the author of the Holy Spirit, and he wants to bring this new spiritual life that we experience now, but it goes beyond this life. It goes to eternal life. And uh, there may be one of us, uh, even online or part of our church family here this morning, that makes that first decision. For many of us, we've made a decision to receive Christ. But we need to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. And I pray that as we consider that new life in the Spirit and as we've reflected on some of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, that you would just open your heart as Nicodemus opened his heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need you to govern my life. I need your help. I need you to teach me. I need your wisdom. I need whatever ministry that you have, Holy Spirit, for me. Would you fill my life up with your spirit? Because that's the life Jesus intends and wants for you and me to live. Let's pray together. Father, we bow before you and we thank you for this wonderful uh, story, this wonderful truth of a man learned, a man respected, but a man who was needing to know this um, powerful spiritual truth that you had come for a different kind of kingdom and the kind of reign that you have in our lives is that through the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for all of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just want to pray with perhaps a brother or sister this morning and, and invite you, and if this is you, would you just pray these words to Jesus and say, Jesus, I invite you into my life um, through your Spirit. I trust that you died on the cross, yes, for the sins of the world, but for my sins. And I trust the truth that you rose from the dead and that you're coming again and that I will belong to you and I'll be your son, I'll be your daughter, I'll be your heir, I'll be with you forever. Thank you for the hope of the resurrection body that you demonstrated here on earth. But Lord, I trust you as my Savior. And for many of us, Lord, I pray that you would just touch our hearts freshly by your Spirit, that you would help us to be filled with your Spirit, not governed by our flesh, not governed by our own desires, but to look to you and allow your Holy Spirit to govern and lead and teach and fill and empower and heal and do all of the things that you want to do in our lives. So Lord, I just pray that each of us would invite your Holy Spirit to fill us in a new and a fresh way. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're the Lord of the Spirit, that you're the giver of the Spirit, that you and the Spirit are one. We love you. We serve you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand.
Thank you again for coming this morning. Be blessed by his spirit. Have a great week. We'll see you again next week. Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and, and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We want, invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. And you can give online, you can give on our website, uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support with that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.